You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, 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 the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring Little League anymore. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn fuel box Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, not much, man. We're winding down the SEC season. Glad to have you back to break down some of these games. How you doing, buddy? Oh, man, rested, Mike, because, you know, I don't do shit when I'm not on the podcast. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was listening this morning. He's like, yeah, probably chilling at the house, not doing anything, being lazy, but that's not the case. I just uh, I got caught up at work. Sometimes it's going to happen. I'm going to have one of those late ones. I'm just going to have to bail out, and that's what happened, but i tell you what, Mike, I, I found myself listening to the podcast and, and really wanted to ask you a couple questions. Okay, yeah, go. Uh, so so before we jump in, there was a couple. The first one I wanted to ask you, um, you know, when you were talking about the Texas A&M game, you know, possibly being canceled, going to be our, right, it, mm-hmm. it, it may be our first official cancellation. Right. Have, have they thought about playing another team? Uh, I mean, you know, because they, they talked about how fluid this schedule was. And I was just thinking, what what if it's not Ole Miss? What if, what if that doesn't work? There's still teams in the SEC that A&M hasn't fought. Because I think if, if, you're, if you're looking at all the schools in the SEC, the most detrimental on losing a game right now are the Aggies. So, you know, we've we seen this with BYU – that you know they talking that crap. They come over here in Myrtle Beach and get their ass whooped. But could Texas A and M picked up? Some, I mean, they didn't play Georgia this year. You know, you you talk about making that schedule look really nice. If you could come away with a victory over the Bulldogs, and you could make the same argument with Georgia, why can't we have something like that in, in a fluid season where we can help at least one of our schools have an opportunity to play in the college football playoff? Well, that's—I mean—that's a good thought, but um, 
I mean, some these schools got games themselves, you know, like Georgia's playing Missouri. So what would Missouri do in that situation? And the only one that makes sense to me for, when you want to say with Texas A&M is to make them mm-hmm. play Tennessee because that's who they're supposed to play in two weeks, essentially. Uh-huh. And we all know Vanderbilt's issues with, you know, do they got enough guys to play? Do they not? And, you know, maybe giving that another week to play itself out, Tennessee Vanderbilt in two weeks makes more sense than this Saturday. And I'm kind of yeah. I'm kind of surprised. I'm right there with you. I'm kind of surprised uh, the SEC didn't make that decision because Texas A&M, as you said, they need these games. They need to they need to have impressive wins just to uh, have any shot at getting in the college football playoff. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I just that that's just the one that was weighing over my head. It's just you know because they have. I mean, they alluded to the fact that they may do something like this a couple of weeks ago and, and maybe even involve teams that weren't currently scheduled. And to just have an open week makes no sense, especially when you as an SEC, you know, as Sankey, I mean, it, it's more beneficial for him to get another team in the SEC uh, or in the college football playoffs. And not having a game is, is like I said, here at the end, one of the last things the, the Aggies need. So, Yeah, Texas A&M's already had two games canceled this November, so mm-hmm. they I don't want to say they're losing their luster, but, you know, the, the playoff committee's not watching them. It's not fresh in their mind. I do think that hurts them at the end of the day, too. Yeah, exactly. Well, the other one, man, uh-huh. uh, real quick, the other one was the Beamer, man. Uh, I thought that was great. Uh, you know, he said, you're right, he definitely did win the the press conference there. So I, I know Gamecock fans, I've been I've been trolling you guys online for a long time now. It looks like they're all pretty fired up. So uh, I was just thinking, man, I, you know, Boom Island out there, old bus champ sitting there. <laughs> you ever seen that? And this is the first when you were talking about, you know, everybody was just talking about how happy they are, you know, Beamer's coming back. I just thought about about Boom Island and sitting there in that mansion. Have you ever seen that movie, uh, There Will Be Blood? Oh, yeah. You know, and, and it comes down to the very end. He's at the bowling alley in the house. And it's like the inside's just all mess. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what I thought. I, I thought about, and no, you know, I can't feel too bad for Muschamp. He still got a lot of money, but man, I just thought when I was listening to him say all the right things, I just, I just heard it in a speaker in the mansion on Boom Island, and that's what's going on in the bowling alley right now. <laughs> well, speaking of Muschamp, one thing I forgot totally slipped my mind. I think it came from Ray Tanner. That's probably why I didn't include it. But uh, if you missed that press conference, and it was a long one, it was about a two-hour one, so may have not gotten all the info from it. But Ray Tanner says that uh, Will Muschamp apparently has reached out to Beamer, and I don't officially know the the capacity of their conversations or what have you, but he offered to help out in any way he can to to get his transition going there to South Carolina. So I know you're just joking about Boom coach Muschamp there, oh but, yeah but yeah I mean that's great I've, I don't think I've ever heard that about a coach who just got fired reaching out to the last guy and I think that goes to show you know how much he cares about uh, those guys he left behind and his coaches and and basically the entire you know Gamecock program which he's no longer a part of but uh, he's still got a lot of uh, you know pieces of him in that program as cheesy as that Absolutely. is to say but 
uh, I just, you know, I want to credit him for, for at least doing that. No, that's, that's cool. And, and you know, again, like you said, the, all the relationships, sometimes it, it does matter how you exit and you don't want to burn too many bridges on your way out because you, you, you've seen it a million times where, you know, coach Pitt, I mean, coach Pittman's prime example, something you brought up with Butch Jones, you know, he asked to get retained, you know, I mean, if, if, now that he did get retained, you're looking at him in Arkansas, man. But that's one program Butch Jones will never get to play for because there's no way in hell that he would bring him on his staff, you know. So you got to be careful how you how you leave, you know. So mm-hmm. I hope he didn't piss in any corners or anything like that. I hope he is cordial to this transition. And, and um, I, I think South Carolina is going to be a good spot, man. Yeah, and speaking of South Carolina, real quick, we got these comments. They went viral here at the beginning of the week. I wanted to wait for you to log on here, Shay. But Scott Satterfield, the Louisville coach, who was apparently one of the three you know, key targets of this South Carolina search, along with Billy Napier, uh, after you know twice saying, you know, not interested in South Carolina job, yet he kept interviewing for it. And the, the AD, I don't know if you saw that, but he came out and basically called out. He said, well, you know, us Louisville fans got – we got trust issues with coaches because we've been burned before. And then Scott Satterfield didn't do it himself any favors. Let's kick it over to his his viral comments from uh, earlier this week. I think as players, you know, it's a little bit different than coaches. And I know sometimes we like to lump coaches in with players. You know, as a player, um, you know, you're, you're there for three to four years and then you're done, right? You know, and I think as coaches, you know, and, and as players, you know, you're, you're really, you don't have a family. I mean, it's just you, you know, and as, as coaches – and I'm just thinking in general terms here, you know, coaches have wives and kids and, um, you know, as, as a as a job, are they going to be at a, a job for 40 years? You know, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different things, I think, that are involved with coaching. I think, you know, with, with the players, you know, like I said, it's three or four years and they have to be all in because it's hard as a player. It's hard as a player to you know to go to class, to get up and go go to meetings, go go weight training, to go practice, come back and study. You know, all the things they have to do. Oh, and by the way, then go perform on a game day. I mean, it's just a, a lot of things that a player has to do that I think, um, you know, that, that are pulling at their – there's so many different avenues that are pulling, pulling at them. So, um, so you have to be all in with it. You know, and I think as coaches, it's a little bit different. As I mentioned, I mean, you know, you got a career in the coaching. You know, go back and look at any coach's bio. Now, I've been fortunate and blessed to be – I was at one school for a long time. And I would rather it be that way. I don't like the fact that you pick up and move and all that. I don't, that's not who I am. I don't like that at all. You want to be at a place that, that you can thrive and win and, and, and have a great life and, and all those things. So, but I do think there is a little bit of differential between a player and a coach. All right, Shade. So, hey, that's all I needed to hear to know that uh, South Carolina made the right choice. You know, Scott Satterfield might be a good coach struggling this year. We all know what he did at uh, – Appy State, you know, made that into a very solid program, but I can't put much faith in a coach who's out here saying, well, hell, I got a family to think about, and these players need to be more committed than the coaches. I mean, he's got it damn backwards, and and that's just a terrible sign, I think, for his future. He may get fired before long uh, based on if he keeps interviewing for all these damn jobs. Man, this uh, First thing I thought about was that gif, you know, where you're – Wiping the sweat off your forehead. Woo! That was close. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's not what you want your coach saying. So uh, I'm not. I'm not officially bought in, but you know, it's really about the players. They, they're the ones that need to, to give a shit about this program. You know. So anyway, good. 
Good move, South Carolina. Oh, and uh, one more thing about Gamecocks. I swear this is the Golly, last. Golly, Mark. This, this is the last thing. Uh, we're going to have, uh, you know. JC I, on? <laughs> actually, I have not reached out to him yet just because I know how busy he is. So I'm actually, yeah. I'm out, I actually plan on uh, reaching out to him here in the coming days to get him on the show. But uh, we got another Gamecock guest coming on the next episode. So uh, look forward to that. And a little anticipation will, won't reveal who that is, but uh, South Carolina fans will certainly appreciate this one. But, hey, buddy, uh, we got a bunch of news to get to. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around, let's the go league. around the league. Uh, my, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. And Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, first one, Shane. I just uh, just wanted to briefly hit on this real quick. I didn't want to do a full breakdown of uh, Auburn, Mississippi State just yet. But uh, here on Tuesday, Coach Malzahn was asked about being on the day of hot seat annually. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's kick it over to him real quick. I'm just worried about the darn SEC West, Mike. Gus, I don't know any coach in America who has logged more hot seat so-called time than you have. How tiresome is that? And how much of a hindrance is that in you trying to do your job? Yeah, you know, I've got a job that I've said before expects to win championships, and I do too. And, um, you know, the years that you're not in the mix, that's that's, that's just part of it. But uh, I'm blessed to, to be here and I'm um, excited about uh you know, not only this game, but I'm excited about, you know, next year. Well, all right, Shane. So, I mean, this is, uh, you know, not quite the comments we heard from Will Muschamp and Derek Mason before they both got the ax. But main reason I really wanted to bring this up because, you know, I'm hearing behind the scenes, and I know we say this every damn year, but, you know, I think there is some serious momentum to uh, the powers that be at Auburn. And I don't think it's even the AD. I think that's a that's a well-known thing that uh, they're on the planes. They don't even uh, – it's not really the AD making the hires. It's the boosters buying people out and getting these coaches in and all this and deciding their fate. And I'm not saying Gus Malzahn is going to get fired, but I can't rule it out either. So how surprised would you be, Shane, if uh, Gus isn't around at Auburn next year? Well, it's kind of funny you went this route, Mike, because I was going to ask you, who's next? Do you think that we've seen all the coaches that are going to get fired this year in the SEC? And if not, because, I mean, up here, you think about the two hottest seats right now is Tennessee uh, with Jeremy Pruitt. And, and I mean, now that now that Vanderbilt and South Carolina has pulled the trigger and then you got Gus down there at Auburn, right? I mean, is there anybody else on a hot seat? Mate, I mean, that's a, that's a, I mean, Coach O is is warm, but I I doubt you know. I mean, you just won a national championship, so I, there's some staffers that are probably definitely on a hot seat down there. But 
Uh, I mean, are, isn't that the just isn't that the two programs right now that are that are more most likely to pull a trigger? Tennessee and Auburn, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think without a doubt, uh, those are the guys on my list here right now, and I think it just kind of caught me off guard that uh, Auburn is is so close to making a move and. You know, I was going to kind of predict it if they lost to Tennessee. I thought a move would be made because it was just, I mean, it's just natural. If you lose an embarrassing game like that, I figured they'd lose to Alabama and Texas A&M. But, hell, they beat Mm -hmm. Tennessee, so I figured, okay, he's good for another year. But, man, here we are again. And I think that goes to what I was saying on a previous show, Kevin Steele looking around because I think, yeah, you know, when when a coaching staff gets fired for whatever reason, there's just kind of a stigma to it to where, you know, you're known as the fired coach and all this, and it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to it's it's hard to land that next job if you want a really good one right after getting fired, right? Uh, unless you unless you take a step down. So I think Kevin Steele might be seeing what's happening here too, and, and jumping to to a better or maybe not even a better situation, but just just to like an equal footing to where hell he knows he's he's got several more years. It buys him time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's I mean that's. Hell, you'd do that at your job. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> if I'm hearing rumors I'm going to get fired, I'm going to go to a different department, you know? It's like, so I, I think you're, I think you're on to something there. And usually when there's smoke, there is fire. And, and really what hurt Gus was those comments he made last week, you know, talking about the record and, and expectations, you know, it, it was almost like his expectations aren't as high as the fans at Auburn. Uh, you know, they're expecting to have competitive games with Alabama. They're expected to compete for, for West championships and they're not doing it right now. And in fact, you could argue that they're taking steps back. You know, they were able to beat Alabama last year. So um, no, I, I think the seat's pretty damn warm down there. And, and there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's other programs. That's the thing, Mike, at the end of this year, we may not have that many SEC coaches fired, but there's some very storied programs out there that are going to have. I mean, you you hear the USC job, you're hearing the Michigan job. You know, these these are big programs, and they're going to attract big names. and And Auburn's a big time program too. So, if you're looking, I mean, now may be the time to go ahead and get in the running with some of these guys. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, speaking of uh, being on the hot seat, let's go to the complete opposite of that. Let's jump on down to Gainesville, where we got ourselves a game here, Shane. Florida, LSU, annually one of the best games in the SEC. Now, of course, the two different programs here going in opposite directions. Florida's flying high, already clinched the East, already looking ahead to Atlanta. And LSU, we're wondering what in the hell's going on. We got... Key players, well, I mean, hell, they've been opting out all year. Now we might have, um, you know, I don't know if you if you got to the tail end of that podcast, but I, oh, I, did. I really was yeah. rattled when I heard that news. I was like, oh, my God, Eric Gilbert, my, he's like, uh, you know, I feel like I built the bandwagon with that guy. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he leaves. But um, I don't know, any chance in this one, Shane, these, these two teams, and it always seems like um, – I don't know about to, to you, but to me, it seems like the team that uh, is the underdog always seems to play really well in these matchups, and they're, they're kind of unexpected. They go either way. Of course, this game's in Gainesville, so you know everything's favoring Florida in this one, but any chance 
that uh, we're going to get maybe not an outright upset, but uh, maybe a little bit more entertaining game than uh, some people are suggesting, and, and certainly the spread. Yeah, um, I think so, because because it just it, it seems like it's been going that way. I mean, you're going to hear some comments from Dan here in a minute talking about just not running the ball, just just he knows what his weapons are. He's just going to throw. Well, that's you could see that Florida can score in a hurry, but that's just going to give LSU more opportunities to get some points on the board too. And I, I just, I, I think this has the, like if you just take a, a wide picture of I mean, it, a, a chance of being a high scoring game, but um, as far as a closer game, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, for everything I've seen with the Florida Gators lately, man, I mean, their, their team is getting better on both sides of the ball. So mm-hmm. that that where that was hurting them in the past, it, you know, and, and a lot of people still don't like Todd Grantham, but, you know, say what you want, his defense has looked better for the last week and a half here. So um, if they continue to do that and, and, and make things tough on LSU, yeah, I don't, I, I don't see – I know you're trying to build it up, Mike, but I just, you know, I, I've I've got burnt so many times from LSU. I know that they got talent down there, but they haven't shown to me in a long time that they can bring it to the field and that they can be competitive in these games. So, I mean, we we try to paint that narrative with Alabama. We try to do. I mean, it's just it's not there right now, and I don't know if it's if it's team chemistry or if it's just the buy-in because now you got all these guys exiting. It's just. I just I'm not seeing it. So right now, no, I I don't think there's any chance Florida loses this thing. All right, well let's kick it over to Dan Mullen, Shane, talking about uh, you know potentially all the distractions going on within that program, and and you know many of them are good. I'm not saying they're bad, but just you know clinching the uh, the East and looking ahead to Alabama. We got national or or the early signing period just a week away. So many things going on, and we here we got a talented LSU team coming to town. And he talked about uh, Florida lack lack of running game in the in the last ga- game against Tennessee and then uh he, you know he doesn't he hasn't quite uh gotten onto the Bruce Banner incredible Hulk comparisons for LSU but he basically <laughs> says that it, it not uh not as many colorful words here let's kick it over to Dan Mullen you got quite a juggling act on your hands right now um preparing for LSU signing days coming up then you got obviously this massive game with Bama I mean how do you allocate resources? How do, how do you keep compartmentalize it all in the right way so it isn't overwhelming? It's overwhelming for us. <laughs> uh, we got a really good we got a good staff and uh, really good people around us. So uh, you do have a lot going on. You know you got the, this week's game preparing for for LSU. So uh, you know that's that's focus number one. Uh, with that, you know you add in the uh, the senior night deal. I'll uh, be senior night here in the swamp. So there's a little, a little bit of an extra stuff that goes on with all of that. Uh, as you said, then, um, you know, they, we get the one more game, but uh, that'll be a, that'll be kind of getting into a normal game week. The thing that'll be different is we'll be going through final exams that week. Uh, so you got a kind of challenging schedule to get that organized the following week, as well as having a signing day on Wednesday. Uh, so uh, there is a lot, but we have a really good staff to kind of keep everything and, and everybody to know what their what their their job is, what their responsibility is, and to get it done. And um, you know, it's it's been a unique year with a lot of unique challenges, and this is just another one. Uh, Coach, coming off the worst running game performance of the season after you watched film yesterday, how would you assess the issues in the in the run game versus Tennessee? 
yeah, we missed a couple blocks. I don't, we didn't really try to run the ball very much, right? I think our backs had like four or five carries. That's about it. So uh, they were they were giving us the pass game. So we just kind of stuck with the pass game. When you have a night like you did the other night, where you think it was what nineteen rushing yards, it, the lack of running game is one of the few knocks on this offense. But when you have a quarterback like Kyle and you have the receivers who can go downfield, is is the running game not there because the passing game is so strong, or is the passing game have to be strong because the running game's not there? Well, it can be a little bit of everything depending on the game and how it goes and what we do, uh, and how the game's going and how it's playing out. Uh, so th there's not a specific answer to that. I don't really, to be honest with you, you, go back to the game. I don't really think we tried to run the ball very much. Um, so I, we could go spend a lot of time and we could go run the ball. Um, you know, we'll find a way to run the ball and go do it. Um, you know, probably slow the game down, ball control, grind it out. Uh, but that doesn't really fit the strength of our team right now when, you know, we have success throwing it and can create matchups all over the field uh, that cause problems for people. So, you know, I think it's a lot about what we want to do. Um, you know, it'd be one thing if, I don't know, whatever, the, I, I, don't, I didn't even, I didn't look at the numbers. I, I don't think we were run efficient. That was disappointing. Uh, a couple, a couple. rushes of 60, 66 plays, 17 rushes. Yeah, and a couple of them were sacks, right? because they count as rushes. So, you know, we really didn't run the ball that much. And a couple of them were at the end of the game. We're trying to kill the clock, too. So, um, you know, if we ran the ball 40 times and didn't have many yards, that would probably go into the concern area. Uh, the fact that we weren't really trying to run it um, doesn't really throw it into my concern area. And then your thoughts on this year's LSU team, obviously coming off that national championship, definitely not having the type of year that they would want to have, but but still got a lot of talent, I'm sure, on that. Uh, they, got, they got a lot of talent. They put up a lot of points, uh, can score points in a hurry offensively. Uh, they lost a lot of guys, you know, so they're a young football team, lost a lot of guys to the uh, off of that last year's team. And you look, you know, a lot of times you have a, you know, a team that goes on a championship run like they did uh, last year. Uh, they do it with a very veteran group of guys, and then all of a sudden, you know, the next year a lot of those veteran guys are gone. But uh, they have a tremendous amount of talent. Um, a lot of guys, some some playmakers and mismatches on offense from uh, the running backs, uh, uh, different wideouts that can cause you issues. they got a really athletic tight end in the passing game. Uh, defensively, uh, they got DBs that can cover on the back end and a big physical group up front. Uh, so, you know, when you look at them, I think they've had some up and down games. And with a young team, you know, they, they've they've had to, they've played th you know a bunch of different quarterbacks this year. So when you, uh, you know, I mean, you're going through all of those different changes and things you're, you're, that are happening, uh, you can see. But I mean, they have a couple dominating wins where they came in and blew people out. A couple of games that went right down to the wire uh, for them. You know, I mean, they've had a couple of games where you know, I mean, I, I, I'm sure it kind of went the wrong way for them with a young team how they didn't didn't expect it to go and and. Uh, you know, ended up on the short end of those games. So, you know, you, you see a lot of different things from them uh, as a team that, that as a young team, they're growing, learning, but a dangerous team because they can, they have weapons all over the field. All right, Chad. So, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, we're already throwing out the, you know, are you overlooking LSU? That leads me to believe, you know, Dan Mullen will have something cooked up to where they, they're not doing just that, you know, and they can't have any losses here. I, 
as weird as this sounds, like imagine if uh, if if somehow Florida lost this football game, mm-hmm. but they turned around and won the SEC championship. I could see a scenario where they don't go to the college football playoff. I mean, as crazy as that sounds, just the way it's breaking down right now, I don't know who would get in. Probably, I'm not saying Florida would be eliminated, but I bet there would be people that would vote Texas A&M over Florida if that happened. So uh, this is a key game. And I'll go back to something you said about Todd Grantham because sometimes it seems like I'm the only damn guy that's defending him. And uh, his defense is say what you want about him. Uh, I think – they have a lot of issues when they go against veteran quarterbacks that, uh, you know, understand what's coming and, and they've seen it. But it's going to be a complete different story here LSU. We got Tank Finley. We'll get to Coach O in just a second. He says maybe uh, Max Johnson gets his first start. So I think this is setting up well even for Todd Grantham's defense to have a big day against uh, LSU. Yeah. And another thing, you know, it's just – I mean, this is a rivalry. You, you think – Way back, you remember when they scheduled it as a homecoming game down there? <laughs> you remember <laughs> yeah. that? I mean, if, yeah. if you look at just just these teams meeting, I mean, it's it's phenomenal how close the games were. You know, even last year, I, I, the score is a little misleading because it was two touchdowns, but that was a close game. Uh, then you got eight points, one point, six points, seven points, seven points, nine points. I mean, it's it's. This is a best, and and you think about the teams that we've had. We've had some really good LSU teams, and we've had some really good Florida teams. Maybe I'm talking myself back into this, Mike. You know, this 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 <laughs> these two teams hate each other. Um, say what you want. There's still some bad blood w- between these guys, and uh, sometimes that makes you play harder. Sometimes that makes you give a little bit more. So. Um, you know, you definitely can't overlook either one of these teams because they do have – I mean, it's an SEC team. They showed you this year if it's, it's a prime example. You can – any given Saturday, anybody can win. So, uh, you know, it, it's – Coach O doesn't have much time to to bring this program back up, you know, because right now it's, it's at a rock bottom and, and they need a little positive swing. And then Coach Mullen and crew, man, they're crowned. They're East champs. They're already thinking about Alabama. Uh, you know, that, and you look at LSU and what they've been able to do. Yeah, absolutely. I could see a track game scenario playing out. But um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take freaking flawless ball, buddy. It's going to take the best out of LSU that we've seen this year. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and let's just go on right down to Baton Rouge there where uh, Coach O met with the media. And... It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. You know, I rewatched that Alabama game as brutal as it was to watch. I, I rewatched that this morning, and, you know, this might sound kind of ridiculous to say, but, you know, that team showed up and fought hard, mm-hmm. and they didn't give up. I mean, they kept fighting. They're just – Clearly not as good a team as Alabama, and they couldn't stop them for, for anything. But, you know, go down Alabama's schedule. I mean, they're doing that to everybody. Yeah. So is that more of a case of LSU just being this train wreck, or is it more Alabama being, you know, potentially, well, certainly the best team in the country so far and, and on their way to another national championship? I think I tend to lean more towards that way now. You know, we didn't quite get the incredible Hulk LSU in that game, certainly, especially on defense. But, you know, if we get um, T.J. Finley or Max Johnson, whoever it is, Max Johnson came in and played a lot better in the second half. 
Coach O says he may get the start. Uh, one of these guys heats up. I think they might be able to score with Florida. Mm-hmm. I really do. But, uh, yeah, so let's kick it over to Coach O talking about, uh, you know, the, all the uh, expectations and, and were they too high and why he's so optimistic on the future. He talks about Mac Johnson here and then on uh, defending Florida's incredible offense. Coach, do you think based on all the people you lost in the NFL to the draft and all the people you've lost from the summer on to now that the expectation for this team was too high and why are you so bullish on the future? Because <laughs> I'm a competitor <laughs> and uh, we had LSU. But you know what? I, I just It's hard for me to look at, you know, hey, this is what we lost, this is what we don't have. You know, I always kind of look at what we do have, and I do believe we have some outstanding freshmen that we need to learn how to play. And, uh, you know, it all started out with playing poor defense at the beginning of the year. And, and uh, you know, we were playing good offense. We were scoring 40, 41 points, and then the Miles Burning got hurt. So there was a lot of blows uh, throughout the year that this team took, but I th- still think there's there's fight. I still think that we have a great recruiting class. Uh, I love the freshmen that we have on this football team. And I think that with uh, one or two recruiting classes, we will build championship teams again. I feel like we can do it. I think um, maybe three years ago after we lost to Troy, nobody would ever predict that we uh, would win a national championship, have one of the best football teams in the history of football, and we did it. So I, I do believe we can do it again. What have you liked about Max? You said that you'll think about you know maybe starting him this weekend. From yeah. the times he's been able to come in the game, how much has he developed, and what does he do well out there? Yeah, I thought he looked his best uh, against Alabama. I thought he was crisp. I thought he uh, went through his progression well. I thought his ball came out very well, and he threw, threw very catchable balls. Uh, he can scramble. You know, he can run. I think he's tough. Uh, he's a hard worker. So is TJ. I think that both of those guys are very similar. I thought Max played his best game. Coach, what's the uh, initial defensive approach you're going to take with Florida? They, they do have three players that are tops in, not in the conference, but in the, the country as well, and touchdown catches. Yeah. You kind of see what you did against Alabama. What might be a different approach you're going to take this week? Yeah, we got to know where, where that tight end is for sure. He, he gave us fits last year. A great player. And uh, Kyle Trask is an outstanding quarterback. I think he has 38 touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, Tough, can run the football, got a great offensive line, a lot of speed. You know, we're just getting started on Florida, but obviously, you know, we we, uh, we worked on Florida this summer. Then we had time to game plan on Florida, then the game got canceled, so I think we're a little bit ahead. So we're looking at the last five games and marrying those two game plans, but today's only the beginning. You know, I had a, uh, I had a, a great opportunity on my year off. Uh, uh, Dan Muller and I, and I have a great relationship. He was a GA at Syracuse when I was leaving to go at USC. I've always thought he was an outstanding coach. I, I knew his offensive line coach, so they asked me to go speak at their clinic. I spent four days there, and uh, and I asked him in recruiting, and uh, we talked about recruiting, he and I, and I asked him, what is the number one factor you look in the quarterback? He did not hesitate. He said toughness. And the guy's tough. And he's tough. He's a competitor. Uh, he found him. He's a diamond in the rough. I think that, uh, you know, you look at 38, in, uh, 38 touchdowns to three interceptions, uh, the way he operates, the way he finds the guys. Dan's a great game day caller. He knows exactly what to do with his quarterback. So I, th- I think it's a combination of a great quarterback and a great caller. All right, Shane. So, I mean, again, <laughs> We're not getting happy-go-lucky smiling Coach O. 
And maybe uh, that was because behind the scenes he had a damn star player potentially with one foot out the door here. But I don't know. I keep going back to it. I mean, they they reference it here. I mean, the season they lost to Troy, they turned around and beat Florida. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like you. I'm talking myself into one thing and I'm talking to myself into the other. So I guess basically <laughs> what I'm just trying to say is if uh, – you know, if we get the Incredible Hulk version of LSU, I could see him giving them a game. And then if we get the Bruce Banner, I could see this being a damn another fifty-point loss. So I just don't, right. I just don't know what to make of LSU, and and I don't know if the team has has given up. And the, and but the way they played against Alabama, I know they got their ass whooped. They did not give up in that game. I didn't think. I think they just got outclassed. Well, and what I think happens in this game, Mike, and I know we're gonna get, we'll get to picks and things like that later but you know florida i mean they ultimately control their own destiny they went out burying you know it doesn't have to be pretty it doesn't have to be fancy they don't have to run up a whole bunch of points you know so you got to be careful playing teams like lsu with a vanilla style offense or you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. it's it all it takes is a couple of drives to not go your way or I mean, you can't just ramp up momentum. You can't just ramp up production all of a sudden if you're just expecting to win with uh, giving away as little as possible. And, you know, if you're down 14 points, then then that's different, man. You know, then then we got ourselves a damn ball game here. So um, I, I that's that's the only thing, like if I'm a Gator fan or if I'm if, if I'm thinking about it from the Florida side, it's just – they got to come out, man, and, and maybe not show everything, not show all their cards, but they they got to remember what got them to this point. Don't don't slow up now because you've been you're going to the SEC championship. You do that, a team like LSU can easily put a couple points on you, a couple scores, and the next thing you know, you're doing something you haven't done in a long time, and that's played from behind. Mm-hmm. And then last thing on LSU, wanted to uh, include these clips from my ESPN Baton Rouge show, Off the Bench. This was from Tuesday morning, and Coach O getting facing some tough questions here about uh, Eric Gilbert and the program and and everything that's going on there, and uh, just it didn't sound too good here. Uh, Coach, we have to start with a report that has been uh, been warning like wildfires since yesterday evening of of your tight end Eric Gilbert uh, and his status with the program. Uh, could you comment on the latest on where he stands right now? Yeah, you know Eric came talk to me yesterday. And uh, he's thinking about opting out for the season. Uh, he said his body is hurting and he has uh, has to get better. Uh, his mother's in town speaking with him right now. I don't know if we officially announced it yet, but uh, that's what uh, that's where we are. That's what he discussed with me yesterday. Coach, do you think if he makes that decision, um, what does that mean for him going forward? Like, would his teammates be willing to take him back? I, I've had players quit on teams that I was a part of and it really kind of ended the relationship then and there. Yeah, I think so. Bob, I think that uh, that if he opts out and he wants to come back, definitely I'm, I'm going to take him back. He's a great player. He's a great young man. I recruited him, and we treat him like family, just like everybody else. Neil Farrell opted out. He wanted to come back, and I gave him the opportunity. Coach, um, i got to ask you some tough questions here. Um, earlier in the season, you said, you know, when, when times are going bad early on, you said, look, I asked the team, just stay together. Just stay together and we'll get this fixed. Uh, how, do you feel like this locker room is broken apart? No, not at all. I mean, look the way they fought. Look the way they fought all game. That was fight the whole game. Yeah. 
you know, obviously we didn't execute better, better and, you know, that, that, that was a great football team we played. But as far as, as, far as practicing hard, as far as fighting, uh, we had a great meeting yesterday. We had a great practice yesterday, a uh, 24-hour rule on the floor. Do you think um... – is there a, a disconnect right now at all between the players and the staff in terms of like messaging, coaching, uh, just with everything going on and some of the rumors swirling around? Not at all. I don't, I, I don't hear none of that. You know, we work in a cocoon here. I think that uh, everything is, you know, obviously we're disappointed in the way we played, we're disappointed in our record. But as far as the, uh, the message from the staff uh, to the players, I think we're fine. And then, I mean, when when you kind of look around the the rest of the SEC, everybody's dealt with opt outs, but it does seem like LSU is dealing with more than pretty much anybody else, and really impactful players as well. Do like wh- why do you think that is? Well, here's what I'm gonna tell you. A year ago, we we're the best team in the country. Hold on now. Time, so we're gonna find out who's really behind us. We're gonna find out who really loves the Tigers. Because we will be champions again. So whatever you're getting at, I'm not buying. All right, Shane. So based on these comments, it certainly seemed to me, and maybe I'm misreading the situation, but it certainly seems to me that uh, this Eric Gilbert news caught him off guard. And it seems to me that, uh, you know, he's well aware of the perception of, you know, we're bringing in these freshmen, we're playing them, they're doing well. But then the star freshman here, not only could it certainly sounds like you're losing him, he's probably going to go to either you know a division rival like Alabama or Georgia, who is a team you're you're going to see in the SEC championship game more often than not. So I don't know. It's just all all, all across the board. It's a it's a perception hit here, don't you think? Yeah, and, and it's something that I mean, if you could see it as as a common fan, don't think that these coaches aren't using it as a negative recruiting tactic you know uh, the fact that yeah the LSU was a one-hit wonder and all the guys that they did have are constantly opting out for a reason I mean I you could just imagine the narrative these guys are putting out there on the road talking to these players so that's the big one you got to rein somebody like Eric Gilbert that is a uh, he he's a focal piece of a team I mean he's one of those that once in a lifetime top talents and if you let him get away and don't think that these other programs aren't going to highlight what's going on down there in Baton Rouge. Well, uh, speaking of that, let's uh, jump on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Where Alabama finished uh, number two to Eric Gilbert, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, here in his recruitment last season. But, uh, of course, Alabama now on the greener pastures here, undefeated on the season, only have to play Arkansas. That's the only thing standing in their way of a perfect season. And uh, the Crimson Tide, massive favorites in this game. Certainly understand why it's got nothing to do with uh, Arkansas anymore being a joke. It's just Alabama's just playing so damn good. And, I mean, the only thing that I could see tripping them up here is completely looking, overlooking Sam Pittman's program here heading into the final regular season game. I mean, outside of that, are you seeing, you know, any chance for – this to be a competitive game. Oh, Razorback fans, you may want to turn this down. <laughs> I no, because I think right now, if if Alabama and Nick Saban them have, have proved anything to us, is that they've been 
prepared for everyone that they met. There's a lot of teams that uh, that were on their schedule that were expected to be blowouts, and that's exactly what we got. You know, I, I think we look back. I mean, there's a real shot, Mike, you know, that we look back at this team and we talk about it being – I mean, a lot of people crowned that LSU team, but I'm telling you right now, if this ball club, especially if they had – yeah, cut that part out. Especially if they had Waddleback, man. I mean, if you think about the start of the season, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I – I mean, I don't know if I could put money on LSU winning the game last year, even if Joe Burrow was back there at quarterback. That's just how good this team is. But it's not just on one side. It's both. And it feels like the defense is getting better every freaking week, you know. So, uh, no, I I don't see any slip up here. I think Alabama, I think we look back, like I said, and say 2020, uh, a a lot of crazy bad things happened. But one good thing happened down there in Tuscaloosa. All right, well, let's kick it over to Nick Saban, who, you know, he's still trying to improve the damn best team in the nation here. <laughs> he's upset with how they start in the second half, uh, but he's he's happy with uh, the run defense, and then he's asked about uh, not overlooking the Razorbacks. Can you imagine being up 50 points and pissed <laughs> off because you had a sluggish second start? <laughs> how would you assess the way your team's coming out of the halftime locker room after taking big big leads in recent weeks, and how hard is it to restart that engine after taking a big lead in the first half? Uh, I think the emphasis is always there is no scoreboard. Uh, you want to come out and play and re- reestablish the tempo of the game in the second half. Uh, I think to- there's been times when we've done this fairly well, and there's been times when you know, we've had a couple slow starts. Um, so you know, it's always something that um, you're trying to focus on and work with, you know, with the team. Uh, that's really, really important to make good halftime adjustments and get the players to come out to reestablish the tempo uh, in the second half. And, you know, we've kind of been up and down in that regard, but something that we certainly want to continue to focus on. Hey, Coach, uh, now that you guys know you'll be playing in Atlanta next week, how important will it be to get the guys to not look ahead and, and overlook this Arkansas team? Well, I think it's really important. You know, I think this is our next game. This is what we need to be focused on. We need to respect their team. Uh, their team's capable of beating anybody that they've demonstrated, you know, all year long. Um, so there's no question about the fact that, um, you know, this is a little bit of a historic game for us, too. You know, we've only had one team around here that went undefeated. Um, and that wasn't as difficult for that team to go undefeated as it is for this team playing, you know, 10 SEC games. So um, I think anytime you play on the road in the SEC, you've got to be ready to play, and um, you've got to respect the, 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 the fact that the team that you're playing certainly is capable of, of, of beating you if you don't execute, which was, you know, the point made in the beginning of this statement. When we execute, good things happen. When we don't, we allow the other team opportunities on both sides of the ball coach felipe franks uh you've been in the sc for a couple of years new team now what kind of challenges does he bring on saturday against you guys well he's a very talented guy he's a very good passer uh i think he has a good understanding of what they're doing on offense he gets the ball to the right guys uh they've had some pretty good playmakers um you know 16 is really a good player for them uh they've been able to have balance and on the offense with you know, and they present a lot of challenges with the formations and adjustments. And uh, he does a good job of orchestrating all that. Um, and he's athletic enough to beat you with his feet. Uh, if you get him covered sometimes on third down, he runs for a first down. He scrambles, extends plays. Uh, he's a very good player. 
All right, Jade. So there you have it from Coach. I mean, he's, he keeps it close to the vest, kind of coach speak here, but uh, go with the best that he gives us. And, you know, it, it it is kind of comical, you know, how he's trying to, you know, improve on damn near perfection, but that's why he's the greatest. Yeah. And if your issue is starting slow in the second half and not overlooking an opponent, and keep in mind, Alabama's won something insane, like 96 in a row against unranked opponents. So, I mean, overlooking an opponent is just not in this program's DNA. Uh, that's why, you know, you kind of joke with me that I always try to make these games more competitive than they, they may be on the surface. Mm-hmm. I can't even do it with this one. And, and I'm a I'm a big Razorback fan, but I just don't see it with, the, with their dwindling roster. And, and we don't even know if Felipe Franks is going to play or not. You know what? No, I'm telling you, man. And, and it's one of those things, Nick Saban, he always does this, but that's that's why he is the best because he never settles. Um, that, there is a, an interview, and I've, I've probably said this 10 times, and, but if you haven't listened to it, you need to, with him and Charles Barkley, and they're talking about climbing the mountain. And he goes, the thing you got to realize is there's no peak to that mountain. You always got to be climbing because someone else is always climbing there with you, you know? And, you know, I know it sounds crazy, the second half sluggish, but – there may be a game in the playoffs or maybe a game in the SEC championship. Hell, there may be a game this week. If if they don't fire out in the second half, then they're, they're going to lose. So he's always striving for perfection. But I'm telling you right now, you'll never have it. I don't care if you do have the perfect team. There's, he's still going to find something that you need to work on. But when you get your mind focused on that flaw and you're trying to fix it, you're bringing everything else with you. And it's just – it's 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 amazing. It's just – it's – I mean, I've worked for a company that does this, man. You know, you can you can be hitting all your numbers and everything, and they're going to come out with something that you need to do just a little bit better, you know. And that's, but that's that that's management one on one, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, let's flip it down to the other side. Let's go on down to Fayetteville. Whoopee! With Sam Pittman and company. I mean, oh, I, maybe I'm downplaying them a little bit too much, but. If they find some miracle way, you know, maybe force a bunch of turnovers here, they win this ball game. Uh, we've already had a couple signature wins for the Arkansas Razorbacks, but this one would quickly rise to the top of the list. Uh, but my issue with that, of course, we just allowed 50 points to Missouri. We we had the lead with 43 seconds in the game and couldn't close it out. And they had over 600 yards of offense. And last time I checked, Missouri's offense doesn't even compare, with all due respect, to the Alabama offense. So uh, they've mm-hmm. got themselves just a huge, huge task in front of them. But I still think there's an opportunity, especially if K.J. Jefferson is the quarterback in this game and he has another really good performance because he was really good after a slow start against Missouri. I thought he played well. If he has a really good game here, I think that's uh, that's got to give you some confidence as a Razorback fan that next year, I mean, you, I think you've already got confidence in KJ Jefferson, but I think you're really you're really gonna have something if he's gonna be able to give you, you know, another 30, 40 points against Alabama's defense, and that that'll give you some momentum going into next year, don't you think? Yeah, well, let me ask you. I mean, because one one of the things I've heard people talk about is the possibility of Frank's coming back. I mean, I mean, this would be a nice way to to tell him no, you know, is if you turned it over and, and told him, hey, get healthy, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I mean, you never want to lose your job to an injury, but that's, let's face it, that's exactly why he's in Arkansas right now. 
KJ showed something, man. Uh, and, and under that brawl system, man, uh, he, I man, it just, I don't know, it amplified the offense. And I don't want to take anything away from Felipe because he's been fantastic for this program. And he, he is, he's been the heart and soul. And, and you can see he's been out there, even though he's been banged up and injured. Uh, but there was a little, I'm telling you, after I placed a little money against KJ, dude, he came out and, and, and it was just like, damn, you know, where's this guy been? So, um, I, I like it and it's gotta be, I mean, it's gotta be, you, you look at what's her, I can't remember her name and I want to give her the, the props. Uh, she follows the Razorbacks down there. Uh, fantastic follow on Twitter. Is it uh, Nikki Chavanel? Yes. Yes. Where she was talking about at this point in the season, it's the first time they've not had the opt outs or the uh, transfers or the any any decommits. You know, that's the first. It, it's it's just a good sign. I mean, could you think of? I mean, you, you think about programs like LSU where we have got all these opt outs and everything like that. Well, you're not really getting that with Arkansas as far as you know players trying to get out of the program. You got a lot of guys trying to get into it. So mm-hmm. um, I just think. I, I think the future is extremely bright for Arkansas. And, and I knew they – there was a lot of skeptical people, myself included, when Sam Pittman got down there. And once you saw the improvement, I just don't think we were expecting it to, to accelerate this quickly. And it just shows you good coaching staff, good fundamentals. Uh, and, you know, anybody can be competitive in the SEC. And they are a lot closer than, than we thought last year. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, before we jump off of them, let's uh, throw it to Sam Pittman real quick, who you know kind of hypes up KJ Jefferson and the performance he had against Missouri. Uh, what concerns him the most about Alabama, and then on Alabama never being upset by an unranked team? <laughs> yeah, Coach. Uh, after watching the film and everything, what did you like about what KJ did, and uh, what did you not like? You know, he took care of the football. You know, it was the first thing. He threw a few balls away. Um, you know, uh, we we had a, a lengthy discussion of, of why we are starting slow. I, I think part of it's understandable uh, with the beginning of the game, uh, with you know KJ being his first opportunity to play, um, uh, certainly many snaps at all. Uh, the halftime thing, uh, you know, we had a seven-point lead. We need to come out and score and put it to a two-point lead. We weren't able to do that. We had a lengthy discussion of why that is. Um, but I thought KJ gave us a little bit more as far as in the running game. Uh, he runs it, he ran the offense uh, incredibly fast. And uh, I just thought he did it. I mean, anybody could see he, he had a great football game, took care of the ball, ran the offense, and uh, certainly. Um, uh, really, really proud of him, and and uh, after the game, he was very emotional, and uh, I certainly can't appreciate that. I, did, I loved everything about him on Saturday. I really did. Yes, yeah, Sam, even if Felipe is good to go this weekend, could you envision KJ still playing some? And then also looking forward, I mean, that was the first time you've really gotten an extended look at KJ. Does, does his performance kind of give you confidence moving forward in his future? Well, absolutely. I mean, the guy played a great game, uh, certainly, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's hard to say what the game plan is going to be on ifs, you know, if Felipe plays, if he doesn't, things of that nature. But 
certainly KJ's earned the right to play some ball, and, and Felipe's earned the right to be our starter. So we'll just kind of go from there. If Felipe can't uh, practice early in the week, well, certainly we have no, no problem at all going with KJ. If he can, then we'll, we'll make a decision sometime during the mid, midport of the week. Coach, what concerns you most about Alabama? <laughs> um, stopping them. I mean, I don't know that anybody has. And uh, again, you know, everybody struggles with a team that can throw it and a team that can run it, you know. Uh, we proved that we're a little bit better with a team that just is a throwing football team, you know, just, but when you, when you're able to do both, like uh, Missouri was able to do both and, and like Alabama can do both and in the best way possible, uh, those guys are scary. And so um, Barry and his group uh, are trying to scheme up a way to, to slow that uh, potent Alabama offense down uh, and then we, you know, to 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 uh, win the football game, we're going to have to score on offense. And uh, their defense is very hard to score on, and uh, as it always is. Uh, but the concerning part is, can we slow them down on offense? And then our offense is going to have to score some points. Alabama's won like 97 or 98 or some crazy number against unranked teams. They just never seem to let anybody slip up on them. What, what do you think about that, that stat? I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I think Clemson's got some things going at this point, you know, that are, have some unbelievable numbers over the past, I don't know, several years. Uh, but Alabama's Alabama, and uh, we're really excited to have the opportunity to play them. We really are. I mean, uh, if you're going to get a real measuring stick of how far you've come, in a year's time, you might as well go play the best team in the country and see where you're at. And and we're excited for the opportunity to do that. But for them to be elite uh, for the number of years they have been is incredible and a tes testament to their coaches, staff, the players, and, and Nick Saban. All right, so that I mean that pretty much says it all. I mean he summed it up. It didn't take him. Uh, it took him a moment, I think, to say what concerns me most about I guess Alabama, and I think it's because it's damn near across the board. <laughs> Everything uh <-huh>. concerns him <laughs> about Alabama, but uh, yeah, I mean that it's just a monumental challenge, and uh, I mean we can only say the same thing so many times. You know what? I would have caught him off guard, Mark. I would have said, you know, it's really the kicking game. You know, if we can, <laughs> if we can, you know, maybe stop some field goal attempts, maybe we'll have a shot. You know, just have fun with it because everybody knows this is this is David and Goliath. But you know, uh, it's kind of crazy like, things have happened. Do you remember when? Uh, I had Clint Lamb, who covers Alabama, on the show, and I asked him, you know, what's the weakness of Alabama going yeah. into the season? And we laughed about it, but he said, yeah, probably. It took him a moment, and he's like, the punter. And, I was, and he was dead on. I mean, that, I mean, I don't even know if they punt the, punted the ball this year. You know what? No, I know, man. That's, that, wouldn't that be nice that to be your only worry about your program? <laughs> like, golly, I just don't know about our punting situation. Who is our punter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who could tell you, you know? <laughs> All right, final game to uh, break down here, Shane, in the volunteer state. Let's go on down to Rocky Top, where this has got to be music to your ears, Shane, because mm. 
I know we're, you know, again, we're a little unsettled here at the quarterback spot. Is it JT Shroud? Is it Harrison Bailey? Both of them looked good at points against Florida. Uh, but uh, Jeremy Pruitt asked about uh, Jarrett Garantano, and, you know, he was uh, very diplomatic about it. But, you know, they, we're moving on. We're moving on from the Garantano era a lot later than Tennessee fans wanted to hear. But uh, this is going to be a opportunity against a, a Vanderbilt team with a very thin roster. They just put out a depth chart, Shane. It's got about 46 players on it. So, I mean, this is an opportunity. Tennessee desperately, desperately needs this one. And uh, how much pressure, as a, our big Tennessee homer, are you putting on Pruitt's bald head to get him <laughs> a win here on Saturday on the road against Vanderbilt? Name another team in the SEC you expect to get a victory from right now. You know what I'm saying? It's like nothing against well, Vanderbilt. Probably Tennessee. I, I know. <laughs> I, this is, I think it's a must win for both programs, not just Tennessee. I think Vanderbilt's got this one circled too. Like, damn, if it's if it's anybody, it's these guys. Uh, and, and, you know, the one with four quarterbacks. So <laughs> so I think that's the that's that's the ultimate goal for both programs is to get a victory on Saturday. And um, I'm really hoping that they do stay healthy, man, and they can get to this thing because I think this is our best opportunity. What Tennessee needs, man, is a fiery win. Not just a win, not just to eat by, not just, you know, they need a freaking victory and, and one that is settled at half type victory. You know, you look at that Mizzou and Vanda last time that they played 40-point game. That's what Tennessee needs. And they need it from one of these quarterbacks because this is what I can't stand. We And, and, and nothing gets Tano, you know. I mean, we've, I've said millions of things about him, and it's, it's not about him. But he was given tons of opportunities to every week to, to build and grow, and, and they didn't pull him and stuff like that. But now that you've made the decision to, to go to a different quarterback – it's like I, I, you can't pick one, you know. So I, I don't know if Harrison Bailey is just that bad at practice or what, but it just it feels like for as many like just stick with one guy. If you if you feel like it's JT, then stick with JT. I don't. The last thing a Tennessee Volunteer fan wants to see is quarterback limbo going into the final games of the season. Here, you remember the? I mean, think about it. What what do you accomplish? What do you what exactly are you trying to call like? You want a fresh start? Well, put in a freshman because if, if something goes wrong, we can say, well, you know what? It's okay because he did show this and he did show this, and it's, and it, it is something to sell on the future. But if you're not willing to do that, you're rattling his psyche already by putting in another guy. It's like, what are we doing here? I, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't give me the confidence that I've got a quarterback next year. Mm-hmm. What that makes me feel like is, okay, we're going to end this this season sluggish, and I have no idea who the hell my quarterback's going to be next next year. Shane, you know, do you remember back before we had SEC Network, we had SEC games. I don't even know if it was SEC, but it, maybe non conference games, and they had you had to order in pay per view. Yeah. <laughs> That's that or JP Sports. That's what this damn Tennessee Vanderbilt game feels like to me doesn't it and you're praying it didn't get blacked out (laughs) (laughs) damn the days man they should have made it so hard to watch college football back in the day we got it made (laughs) you guys got it made we got it made i I mean seriously i can sit at my house 
I don't have to buy any fancy packages or anything like that. I can watch every SEC football game. I mean, we've come a long, long ways, haven't we? Mm-hmm. All right, but well, you know who hasn't come a long ways? Coach Pruitt and his quarterback selections. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, let's kick it over to him, who talks about uh, the quarterbacks and what gives him confidence moving forward and, uh, and again, the importance of beating, getting a win here against Vanderbilt. Jeremy, you've got the unique situation of now having four quarterbacks with starting experience and all four have played in these last two games. What would be the timetable on a decision this week? Is it, I know your heavy practice is usually tomorrow, right? Or is it, or is it I guess, a long question short, after Wednesday, is, is that when you kind of sit down and make the decision by Wednesday night? Yeah, I think uh, if you look at um, – Saturday, we'll, we'll obviously with Harrison and JT, uh, we'll take the majority of the reps moving forward. Uh, you know, Brian brings a kind of an extra element uh, with his athleticism and uh, just trying to, you know, keep him with a role. Um, so, and I thought he'd done a nice job Saturday with the role that he had. So, uh, we'll continue doing that moving forward. And then just out of curiosity, what is the latest you can or have waited in your coaching career before, whether it's a staff you were on or whatever, when a starting quarterback was named? Have you ever had a starting quarterback named as late as Thursday or Friday? Yeah, I think that's probably normal. And, uh, you know, maybe at the beginning of a season, um, there's, I've, you know, a couple of staffs that I've worked on, the quarterback competition was so close that it was, it was maybe all the way up until uh, Thursday or Friday before the first game. Jeremy, I know Jarrett wasn't able to, to practice much leading up to the, the Florida game. Now, now that he can practice uh, again, uh, how do you reintroduce him to the mix? How do you handle him going forward? Well, we're going we're gonna to go with Brian and JT uh, and, um, and kind of probably say, stay with the same schedule as we did this past week. You said, I said, you said Brian. Brian. I said Brian. Yeah, I meant Harrison and NJT. Yeah, Jeremy, and, and what's, you know, been such a strange season? Do you feel like the, the program's continued to develop as you'd like? And, you know, what, what gives you confidence as, as you move forward? Well, just, um, you know, Saturday, you know, that's a really good football team we played against. Uh, you know, there was – there was times uh, in the game that, you know, we're playing with them toe-to-toe, um, and it's been that way for the most of the season, periodically with every team we've played. You know, the, the circumstances around the season, and, hey, it, it's everybody, right? And I only know our circumstances. I don't know the circumstances anywhere else. Um, but, you know, our kids play hard. Uh, you know, there's, there's lots, of, lots of really good that we do every single week. You see a lot more younger guys that continue to, to develop and get an opportunity to contribute. Um, so, you know, I, I, I feel like our guys are gaining confidence. Um, and, you know, and that's, that's part of it right now. You know, uh, I, I can tell you this, when the game's over with Saturday, we got a lot of guys hurting in our locker room. You know, um, it's um, – you know, the number one thing for us is, is to win. Uh, and, and obviously we didn't get that done Saturday. Uh, but when you look at it, we'll come back in here today and figure out what we did really well, uh, try to continue to develop that part of our, our football team, figure out the issues that we, that we had during the game. Uh, you know, was it a preparation area? Was it a, you know, a technique uh, issue? Uh, correct it uh, and continue to move forward. 
Coach, how crucial is it, though, to try and get a win for this for this team, uh, to, to snap this skid uh, and finish off with at least one victory before the season's over? Yeah, I mean, we're focusing on Vanderbilt. Um, you know, we, we, we continue to improve every week. Uh, and But the bottom line is you want to win football games, right? That's the bottom line. Uh, so... Uh, we've got to figure out a way to put us put our players in the best position to to have a chance to do that. You know, Shane. So you put out uh, a gem of a tweet, like you always do, <laughs> with the Tennessee recruiting class. With uh -huh. uh, after losing so many of these guys, but you know, I got to be honest with you because the vast majority of of Tennessee's commits. I know we're still when this podcast comes out, we'll be one week away from the early signing period. The vast majority of those guys have remained true, and there's been speculation yep. of a lot of more guys wavering. And in the in recent days, uh, they've been, you know, pledging their undying love for the Volunteers. So I know Tennessee fans probably don't want to hear that, but I think I I think you got to give them a little bit of credit for, you know, I think they're going to have another top 15 recruiting class, which is pretty damn remarkable considering you're sitting here at two and six don't you think yeah man i this is this is where i i keep riding that fence man i give pro a hard time i really do i give tennessee program a hard time but he's still my guy and because he's my coach so i i still support him and i don't think that coach fulmer remember you gotta remember big phil made this hire this is his baby so I, I doubt he's going to pull the trigger and say, oh, you know what, we, this just isn't working out. We need to get a coach, especially like I was talk, telling you earlier. This, this feels like a, a buying season for coaches. So you're going to be way down the list. So even mm -hmm. if you did and you're paying – I mean, hell, we're still paying Butch Jones till February, man. I mean, we can't, we can't afford it right now. So we need to be supportive. And and the last thing you can do is they that I want to do. I, I mean, I get on there, I make jokes and stuff, but I'm not atting recruits and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? That's that's right. not what it's about. It, it's just acknowledging we've had a bad year. And and but Pro's still my guy, man. I, I'm still I, I'm I'm going to stick with him. Uh, now the end of next season, you know, if we're sitting here at the end of the season, you know, asking the same damn questions, then yeah, I think it will be time. But you know, this we knew that this was going to be a project. We knew this was going to be a rebuild, and and I got tons of buddies, man. They're just, you know, we're, they're looking at the two wins. Yeah, there's so many factors, man. There, there really is with COVID, the the all SEC scheduling. Uh, I mean, there's so many. This thing could have played out so differently if uh, if COVID wasn't involved. It really could have. I mean, you think about the spring practices and. And the chemistry, and I know it affected every team, but there were some that it hurt a little more than others. And I just think Tennessee program was one of those. And last thing I'll have on Tennessee, I, I did because I want, kind of wanted to piggyback off that question. If Tennessee, let's flip the record, which much easier said than done, but if they're sitting here at six and two on, with an all SEC season and mm -hmm. the, the recruiting momentum they had, don't you think, based on what we've seen, from Pruitt and his staff recruiting, uh, just in the couple of years they've been there, if they had a you know an outstanding record, I've got a, a lot of confidence that instead of us sitting here saying, well they you know they're going to finish in the top fifteen of recruiting, I think we'd be in consideration for top five recruiting class. Like I I basically I guess what I'm trying to say is if they can ever match the results on the field, 
I think they're going to be, you know, reeling in all these big time commits that or, or prospects that they're going after that they just lost yeah. another, another one like Nyland Green just committed to Georgia. I think they're going to start getting these guys if uh, if the wins are on the field. Yeah, yeah, Mike, you know, but ifs and buts are candies and nuts. You know, we'd all have a wonderful Christmas. So. <laughs> uh, it is what it is. We're at where we're at. Um, the only thing we can we can change is is these next two games, and um, and, and I think I know it sounds stupid, but I, I think deciding a quarterback, whether it's win, lose, or draw, like if. Just make a make a selection. If you want to do JT the rest of the season, that's fine. But JT should be getting all the reps, and he should be going. We should not be doing this quarterback limbo uh, at this point. Hell, Mike, they've had so many weeks to figure out who the number two quarterback on this program was. So if Garantano did go and he's no longer involved, number two should have been the one that stepped up. There wasn't a 2A and a 2B. There shouldn't have been at this point. So that's terrible management. So I think the best thing that, that can happen for Tennessee is a big win, uh, preferably with Harrison. I, I'm just – that's just – he's my guy. I, mm-hmm. I, as much as I talk him up, have him come out, have him perform. Don't do any quarterback switching or anything like that. Let him blow out Vanderbilt, hopefully, and then go into Texas A&M and make it a competitive ball game. I mean, there's still that, that chance because if you can build some momentum – where both sides of the ball are playing above their their pay grade, then uh, who knows? We may we may steal some of these recruits back, or, or get a couple of recruits that we weren't expecting to get. So um, it's it's all about late season momentum, and you got to have something to look forward to next season. All right, final stop around the league. Shane, let's jump on down to Nashville real quick, where Tennessee's opponent Vanderbilt limping into uh, uh, the final. Well, no, they've got two games left. <laughs> if they can make it, they've they got two games remaining. And, uh, you know, just to put it in situation, break it down for the folks out there not aware of Vanderbilt's situation, this comes courtesy of our buddy Chris Lee over there at Vandy Sports, who's been on the show. Vanderbilt down to 45 players, scholarship players for Tennessee. They've got defensive backs playing linebacker for the first time ever. They're down to five defensive linemen, one that just switched from the offensive line, and a bunch of guys who barely seen the field on this depth chart. So, mm. man, it's just rough right now. And I hope, I just hope this damn game can be played because I don't know if they're going to have the bodies to do it. You know what? Yeah, but I, I think, I mean, if you were going to try to do it, it would be with Tennessee, right? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you think about the other other programs and stuff like. Volunteers are it, man. Uh, I mean, South Carolina, you've already played them. Um, so I, I think this is this is your next best shot. And if you are going to – I mean, you got to think about it as, as a coaching position too. I mean, uh, you've got a new head coach, this this guy, you know, he wants a little action, he wants to get, a, get his name out there, you know, and if he could get the first SEC victory for the Vanderbilt Commodores, I mean, that looks pretty good on the resume too. Not saying that's the whole situation, but – it's like I could fully see Mike, and, and this is just me guessing. Uh, this is not no medical, no no actual intelligence at all here. But I could see if they don't win this game that they opt out the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is uh, you know let's kick it over to Todd Finch, the interim coach. But that's kind of you know he doesn't quite go that far, but he references, hey, this is the one that we want to play. This is the one the guys 
Uh, yeah. So, you know, a lot of them, we, they know each other all across the field. Maybe they didn't like, we just had uh, Bruno Reagan on the show the other day. Vanderbilt lineman said he wanted to go to Tennessee. I mean, that's probably across the board for a lot of these Vanderbilt guys. They got a lot of bad blood. They lit, you know, they live in Nashville and there's more Tennessee fans than there are Vanderbilt fans. So they get it 365, their hate for mm-hmm. Tennessee. Uh, so let's kick it over to Todd Fitch on uh, the chances of playing this Tennessee game on finishing the season strong and, and just how how much this game means for uh, everybody there at Vanderbilt. I guess it looks like you've got scholarship players maybe in the 40s. Um, you've got the option to play as long as you have enough offensive linemen and so on. Mississippi mm-hmm. State's already done that. Sure. How do you decide if you, know, if you can play with 51 or 48 yeah. and those sort of things? I think as uh, as we talked about last week, uh, Dr. Lee and myself and, and everybody involved, it really is the distribution of the the guys that are out, whether it be you know illness or injury or whatever. Uh, there's numbers that are set by the league, obviously number of linemen, you know uh, quarterbacks. So really, it's how the the injuries or uh, the the guys that are out uh, by position occur. And right now, you know, we've we've got some guys down, but we, we feel that we can we can go ahead and play this thing. We, and it's really all about player safety and player welfare. And uh, right now, we feel pretty good about we can we can put a team out there and and and, and uh, compete well in the game. Todd, you mentioned guys kind of rallying around each other, mm-hmm. kind of getting a surge that way. How much uh, is the opponent a part of that? How well, much is it the fact that you have a rivalry game here? Well, I think. Th- that certainly helps the situation. And I mentioned this, uh, I think, uh, last week in talking to Dr. Lee at one point. We were talking about something. The, when this game got canceled two weeks ago, I guess it was now, the Tennessee game on a Monday night about 530, uh, you could feel a little bit of, you know, like let down. The air kind of went out of the balloon a little bit that week just because this game is fun for our players. We have a lot of crossover, you know, in-state, local guys. You know, so it means, you know, every game has a different meaning, and this game means a little bit more. So it certainly doesn't help us or doesn't hurt us that this is who we play this week. And I think it adds to a little bit of the motivation for the players that are out there. Chris Harris, go ahead. Hey, Todd. Uh, just as a coach, why do you believe it's important for Vanderbilt to play this game and, and try to finish the season next week? Well, uh, that's a good question. I think there's a couple of things as a coach. Uh, I think one of the things that's gone on with this whole situation, not here across the country, is you know uh, you're trying to you know you're trying to prepare people for life. We're trying to get their education here, all right. And you, you want to teach guys how to finish because there's going to be tough times in your life. There's going to be things happening with your job down the road, your family, whatever it is. And so as these things pop up, you're trying to you know teach guys in these situations how this is going to you know help you prepare for things down the road. And and it's about finishing what you start you know on one phase. And then, two, when you're part of a team, a team culture is different, you know, and that's that goes against what's going on in society, right? Everything's about, you know, individual, this, this, and this, and that's all important. But when you're part of a team, there's an obligation to one another. And that's the thing you try to sell as a coach, uh, as a, anybody that mentors somebody, is that, you know, every decision you make not only affects you, but it affects everybody around you within your position group, your side of the ball, and the, and the greater team. And that, that that's not only opt-outs, and that's the thing everybody wants to talk about, but these guys have been asked to do a lot, make a lot of decisions based around teams since they came back. These guys have basically been isolated. You know, In the month of June, we're the only people on campus across the country, right, football, and, hey, don't go here, don't go here, don't be a normal college student. All the students come back on campus. Well, hey, hey, I know there's a party going on over here or something's going on over here, but we really don't want you to go because you're going to be contact traced. So, you know, all these decisions have added up 
that are, are more about the team than yourself. And it wears on guys over time. But those are the things you try to sell to guys that, hey, let's start with, let's finish what we started and understand that we're part of a collector bigger uh, picture here and understand that we have an obligation to one another. And if the guys that get that and understand that, I think they'll be uh, better in the long run uh, for that and, and understand as life goes on, we're going to have to make some difficult decisions. All right, Shane. So I, mean, I think you said it best. I mean, you can't, I can't really top. I didn't even think of it until you really said it. But, <laughs> hell, if there's a game Vanderbilt's going to win, it's going to be Tennessee, isn't it? It's got to be, man. It's, this, 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 this is their Super Bowl, man. Hell, this is Tennessee Super Bowl. If like if we're gonna break our streak, it's got to be against the Vanderbilt Commodores. So, yeah, this is a this is a bigger game, you know. And I mean, Gary Danielson isn't gonna be covering this one, but it is it is huge for the state of Tennessee. And I'm telling you, man, nothing nothing's worse than than losing to Vanderbilt as a Tennessee Volunteer fan because you hear it 365 days a year about how they, you know, how they beat you. So, and, and not to mention you're a punchline. I mean, we'll be the only team to lose to a team that's not won an SEC game. I mean, could you imagine just the constant, like, I mean, you're thinking about playing for Tennessee, a team that lost a Vanderbilt. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You talk about negative recruiting, man. No, this is this is a big game for both programs. Yeah, and, and you know, the way we've kind of broken it down, I think – I don't think this is Tennessee's Super Bowl. I mean, I see, I see why you would say that, but I really do think it's Vanderbilt's, and they've got the, yeah. the established quarterback on Tennessee's side. We're trying to figure out who in the hell to play at quarterback. I don't know. This, this is uh, the recipe for Dan disaster here for Tennessee, and we're gonna find out real hard whether these guys even want <laughs> Pruitt around. Because I'll tell you what, if they if they lay down against Vanderbilt, they'll. That's basically as good as. Uh, you know, getting rid of them themselves. You know what? Yeah, all right. Maybe maybe not a Super Bowl, but it's still a pretty big game, Mike. You know, we got to get off this loop. we got to get off it. I mean, you think about it. Coming into the season, that's all you heard about. It's like, Tennessee's got the third longest winning streak, yada, yada, yada. Now it's like, you know, we haven't won a game in forever. It's like, I'm sure we're close to the longest losing streak right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, that's a, a depressing uh, note to go out on. Buddy. You got uh, you got anything before we hop off here? No, man. We covered quite a bit today. Um, sorry about yesterday. You did fantastic, Mike. Uh, appreciate all the listeners out there. You know, I, I didn't get to read the reviews last week, but I will be uh, this Friday for our Friday show, pickup show. So if you got an iPhone, Apple product, man, we're so damn close to a thousand. Uh, a thousand uh, comments from you guys and that's that's awesome man and i appreciate all the effort you guys do to do that i, I know we've got some of you have done two three of these things and, you know you're stealing your wife's phones your neighbor's phones you're going to uh, best buy you know all this stuff so i mean that really does help us out and if you do be sure to send a screenshot to that sec podcast at gmail.com with your address and uh, Mike will uh, do all the work from that point and send you a koozie out your way. And uh, I'll be sure to read those uh, this coming up Friday. Absolutely. I just sent a couple more to uh, some people out in Arkansas, some Razorback fans. So uh, we've got uh, just about every team in the SEC covered. And that's just our way of saying thanks for each and every one of y'all. So that's going to do it. Thanks for joining me, Shane. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you all in the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols.